Today's episode of the Superintendent Series is brought to you by Toro. Americans like our utility vehicles the way we like our U.S. Open courses, rugged. A winner needs to do it all in tough conditions, and Toro's new Workman UTX line is here to get the job done. Any job. Snow and ice removal, tree maintenance, transporting equipment or materials, whatever you need. This commercial-grade, smooth-riding, four-wheel drive monster has your back. The Workman's UTX proprietary governing system unpairs ground speed and RPM, so the operator can limit the machine's speed without gutting the power. Higher RPMs mean more oomph is required, less RPMs, and less fuel consumption when it isn't. That kind of all-around performance is what champions are made of. Follow at ToroGolf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor to schedule a demo. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is with Jeff Austin. Jeff is the new superintendent at Ray Tompkins Memorial, also known as the Yale Golf Course. Uh, Jeff comes on to just talk about his experience. He he worked at Augusta National and uh, and then coming on at Yale at a tumultuous time. Uh, the golf course during COVID kind of had seen better days. They, uh, they had a lot of turnover in the staff and, and, uh, the university was obviously trying to figure out what to do with COVID and, uh, it led to the golf course being a, a bit neglected. So Jeff came on and has really revitalized the golf course along with Peter Palacios, the GM there who they have done a phenomenal job getting the golf course back up into great shape. And um, and they have a, a big restoration coming in 2024 with Gil Hans, uh golf design. So it was fun to catch up with uh, Jeff about all things Yale, as well as some of his past experience. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. Here is Jeff Austin. So Jeff, you were an assistant uh, superintendent at Augusta National. I, you know, anybody that worked at Augusta National, one of my favorite questions to ask is always, you know, what's your favorite story or memorable moment from your time at Augusta? So I have two of them, um, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't decide on which one to go with. Um, well, you could give little, us both. Give us both of them. One's one's a little bit lengthy, and then one's real, real quick. So I'll do the, I'll do the, the quick one first. And it was that, uh, I was setting up, I was watering, uh, the, the member putting green behind the clubhouse. Um, and outside of the, the member putting green is right outside of the Eisenhower cabin. And, uh, we were told to get out of that area pretty, pretty quickly in the morning. Cause there was an, a VIP there. So I'm setting it, setting up the green water and whatnot. And as I'm making a pass, I turn around and uh, and George W. Bush is sitting out there, a pair of blue Texas Longhorn shorts and a gray T-shirt. And he yells at me, 
you're certainly putting a lot of water down on that green. And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, continue on. So, uh, so I, I was always a fan of George W. Um, and just for that interaction, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, big golf, big golf family. It loves golf. I, you know, they, the Cape Arundel up in Maine is, a, is a long known hangout of the Bush family. Uh, the yeah, golf course up there. The Walker cup is the same yeah. George W. Um, but the, uh, the second, the second story is, um, so I volunteer every year to go down there for, to help out during the master's tournament. And one year I was on the pin setting committee. So in the afternoon, we'll, we'll pick the pin for the next day. So, um, there was a, a we were on number 13 green and there's, it's a, it's a gaggle of guys, you know, different. There's like way too many of us, but there's, um, I've, I saw it on like a Wednesday afternoon, a couple times down there where, you know, it's, it's, you know, to give people color, there's like 20 people, you got the stint meter out, you're rolling balls, everybody's testing everything from every angle. And, and so this goes on every day. Yes. <laughs> yes. Every day. Um, and we were, uh, we were walking off, uh, of 13 green and, uh, and as we were walking off, it was, it was on a practice round. So it was kind of thin crowd and, um, and uh, there was a double amputee um, waiting there, and he asked us the question, is this where the, the, the pin's going to go tomorrow? And we said yes, and, uh, and a guy from the R&A, and I can't remember his name, um, had asked him if he was a serviceman, and he said yes. He said he, he had started golfing um, as a way for uh, treatment for PTSD, and that he wanted to get into this um, veteran's golf tournament but he had missed the cutoff date by like days like he just missed the the, the cutoff date this guy uh this the, one of the captains of the rna he broke out two business cards and he said write your contact information on one of the cards and he gave him the other one he said call my office i won't be in on monday but i'm going to make sure that you're into this this tournament um and i'm he and he said you know i'm i'm, I'm grateful for your service and whatnot and uh I get goosebumps when I when I tell that story, but it was we we have a lot of good times um, us volunteers and, and and tournament hires down there, and we we like to joke around a lot at at each other's expenses. But um, we were quiet as church mice mice after that happened. We just sort of were like, "Geez, oh Pete, that's that's heavy." But it was it was really really cool to see, and it was awesome that I was there firsthand. Mm-hmm. Tell that's a it's a great story and and uh, you know it's uh, it's neat when somebody that can help someone goes out of their way to help someone. Um, yeah. uh, with that volunteering, um, you know, being one of the you know the guys that goes down and basically helps with you know maintenance and uh, on a y- annual basis. What's that process like? And and tell us a little bit about the atmosphere atmosphere there. I, I'm not sure if you've you've volunteered at other major championships. How does it how is it similar? How is it different? So, I I've done I volunteered at um, a U.S. Women's Open at Sabonic um, for Garrett uh, Boddington, and then I did one in my hometown, uh, U.S. No uh, PGA Senior Cha- Yeah Senior PGA Championship at um, Canterbury Canterbury Golf Club. Um, Augusta National 
the the volunteers and the tournament hires it's it's very very fraternity like um we've all either volunteered worked there for for a, a good number of years and we all keep in touch throughout the throughout the year even when we're not you know in augusta and um we all have the same stories from our time there um i was there for about four and a half five years as a as a employee um and i volunteer with guys who are now who have now moved on or are are superintendents elsewhere um so it's 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 very it's very very fraternity like it's like an it's like an alumni game we all go back and and you know it's like uh what do they have in major league baseball like the old timers game and it, yeah. it's sort of like that where we all go back and we all tell, tell the exact same stories for the first five days about how we had it the hardest or had it the roughest and uh and we just get into our normal routine of of whatever our job is that week so i I stimp, um, stimp greens with, with three, three other guys and we're, we're, we are ruthless to each other, but we're, we love each other so much, but we're brutal. And, uh, you know, we share an office and, and we just, we, it's always something with us, but, um, but when it's time to get to work, we know what, you know, the, the regular full-time staff is expecting of us. And we just try to support them this week, that week, because we know, the amount of hours that they've put in leading up to it. So whatever we can do to take a little bit off their plate is, is, is our ultimate goal. Got to ask what's, what's the highest stimp reading you've ever gotten out there? Tournament speed. <laughs> Look at that. A company man. Um, <laughs> spending a few years down there um, on, on the staff full time. I, what, what are things that you draw from that experience in in your day to day job and in your previous jobs that you've had al- along the way? What are are there are there certain things about the way they maintain turf or the way they run their operation that stick with you? There are um, the attention to detail is 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 unmatched, um, and that's that's something that's ingrained in you um, from the first first time you step on property. Um, and that's something that, that as a turf manager, that, that people who have experienced Augusta National take throughout their career. Um, you know, it, it, it gets down to the, to the most minute detail that, that we want to control. Um, and that we try to control, even though there's so much that, that we can't when we're dealing with the, you know, with weather or mother nature or what have you. Um, but it's the attention to detail that 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 we like to take throughout our career, um, and it's just solid, solid agronomic principles. You know, they don't they don't have magic pixie dust on there that makes the grass grow a certain way. It's just the fact that they've been doing it for so long, and that they know what works. So, for example, when I when I came to Yale, it was sort of a blank page. Cause I, I didn't know what necessarily worked and what didn't work here. And I, and I'm, and I was completely cool with that. Um, but you know, I had all of last season and, and this is my second full season that that's coming to an end here, um, at the end of this year. And, and 
I will take these two years into the next year and 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 make good agronomic um, decisions based off of off of what I've what I've learned over the past two years. That that makes sense. You know, it's just the consistency, right? Uh, show up every day and, and then continue to build on on what you've been doing that's been working. Um, speaking of. I, I, one last question on on Augusta, I, you know, just something I'd be interested in is, you know, getting a job there. And is that what was that interview process like? Was it similar to other clubs, similar to Yale? Like, how did that interview process work in the first place? I, I imagine I think a lot of people probably wonder, like, how do you even get a job at Augusta National? Um, so it's, it's, it's funny that they actually, uh, I think that it was one of the first times that they had actually, um, advertised for an intern. Um, so a little bit of the, the histrionics of it is that I was already an assistant superintendent in Cleveland and, uh, it was right after the 2008 economy was, you know, we were just starting to get out of that funk and, uh, the course that I was at, you know, they, they, they didn't, they still felt the, the effects of the economy. And I, I came up with an idea. I said, how about if you guys don't pay me for the winter and I'll go down to Augusta for a winter, just the, the winter months in Cleveland, you're not really growing grass. And I thought that it would be a good way to save the club some money. Um, and also get Augusta national on my, on my resume. So they had, they had advertised for an internship and I, I went through the, I, I submitted my information. Um, the senior assistant at the time, Justin Sims, he reached out to me, um, and just a phone, a phone interview. And then, uh, I had a, a, a follow up phone interview with the superintendent, Brad Owen. And, uh, and they offered me a, a three month internship. And uh, I'd saved my club back in Cleveland some money. And at the end of the three months, I must not have screwed anything up too badly because they offered me a full-time, a full-time position. And uh, I had a contractual obligation to go back up to Cleveland, fin- finish that, that obligation up. And then I, I moved down to, uh, to Georgia. So. That's, did you live in, uh, in Augusta? Yeah. Yeah. I lived, uh, I lived in, not downtown is sort of like the Somerville area. I, I had a condo, which was kind of suspect. And then, uh, <laughs> then I rented a house. Um, so yeah, so I lived and I lived basically a couple streets away from some of my best friends. One of my best friends still, still works down there. So that's a, that's cool. That's uh yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's gotta be an amazing thing to have. Like, as you, as you referenced, amazing thing to have on your resume in terms of like, you know, it's, it's it obviously isn't going to get you jobs, but I imagine that it really helps in the, you know, getting interview process. It does. Cause you know, it, Augusta in, in our line of work, we don't, we don't necessarily do a very great job of, of advertising ourselves as Augusta guys or, you know, we're, we're not, we don't do that. And it's just not who we are. And, um, so what it does is, is that, you know, when, when it comes down to an interview, people want to talk to guys from Augusta just to hear a story or two. So we sort of get in by the, by the, you know, Hey, I got a story to tell you. And then we hope that we're, our resume is good enough and that we're good enough 
agronomist that 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 it leads to a second and a third interview and hopefully hopefully a job. Now for a quick word from our sponsor Toro. For more than a century with cutting edge turf equipment and irrigation solutions, Toro has had your front nine covered and your back nine too. In fact, Toro's always had your back, period. Toro is as committed to your long-term success as Toro pros are committed to their shot. That's down to top-notch customer support from Toro and its dedicated local distributors, both of whom are passionate about delivering turf equipment and irrigation solutions that solve real-world problems. Follow at Toro Golf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor today. Now back to Jeff Austin. Tell us about about your new job. As as you reference, you you've been there for two years. Um, you you know what attracted you to the the job at Yale when you saw the posting. So um, it goes back to probably 2016. Um, the previous superintendent um, Scott Ramsey won. Um, I think TurfNet Superintendent of the Year or something along those lines, and uh, and I saw I saw the 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 announcement of his winning that award, and uh, I fell into just a rabbit hole of of looking up Yale. I, I didn't know that they had their own golf course, so that sort of got that sort of piqued my interest in golf course architecture about you know the history of of, of Yale specifically. Um, and I saw the job posting and I said, well, this is, this is interesting. And it, it came at a good time because I sort of, I was at a point in, in, in Cleveland where I was a director of two, of a 36 hole facility. And, um, and I, I, I thought it was time to, to try something new. And, uh, so I saw the job posting. I, I threw my hat into the ring and, um, I was down in Florida visiting my folks in the winter and, uh, our general manager, uh, Peter Palacios, he called me and he was like, Hey, we, your email, I mean, your resume sort of jumped out at us and, uh, we'd like to, uh, we'd like to schedule an, an interview. And I was like, Oh, okay. So it sort of got a little bit of traction. So I started doing a little bit more and more and more, um, research on it. And that's unfortunately sort of like during the COVID time of, of Yale, which isn't the brightest point in its history. Um, and, uh, and I, I just went through the, the, the routine of the different interviews. I, I, the first one was just a phone call with, with Peter. Um, the second one was more in depth. There were different, uh, different individuals from the athletic department. It was like a, basically a, it's like three or four hours of different zoom calls. And it was, I was spent afterwards, yeah, but, I um, that's, that's, yeah, that's it, a big know, day. It, it is, it, you know, three, four hours isn't, isn't, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, interviewing a kid from Cleveland, interviewing with a bunch of people from Yale, that's intimidating, you know, like, <laughs> Not a lot. Let's let's just get this out there. There's not a lot of Clevelanders on property in New Haven. Um, but uh, but um, 
so it was it was it was it was intimidating. So so you know you're meeting with people from the financial uh, side of things. Uh, I, I imagine I with, there are different questions. Like the it's not like you're like meeting with a greens committee, right? No, or a GM. yeah. Like it's got to be like you know these are people in the athletic department that that probably have you know they, I, I'm not I don't want to say they don't really uh, but they they probably are asking a completely different line of questioning than you've ever had in an interview. This was the first time that the word fiduciary was ever in a in an interview for a superintendent job ever. But um, but no, it was great, you know. And like I I I, I thought I thought it went I thought it went good. I thought it went you know like I didn't think that it was like a home run. I I laid all the cards on the table, and um, and I come from a really really tight knit family, and uh, and. You know, my parents lived maybe two blocks away from me back in Cleveland. And uh, so Peter called me on a Friday and uh, I was waiting for his call on Monday. And he called me and he was like, yeah, I figured you might want a weekend to sort of uh, to celebrate. But, yeah, we're going to offer you the job. And I was like, all right. So I celebrated with my brother and my sister-in-law for a night and uh, they came into town. And then I had to tell my parents that I was moving to Connecticut and uh, I'm a 43-year-old man, and I still am scared crapless of my parents. So huh. uh, so I told them, and they were like, okay, I guess we can deal with it. But um, so they've been traveling out here, and it's, it's, it, it's been absolutely awesome. It's been absolutely awesome. It's, uh, it's you know, it has its challenges, but it's, um, it's, it's probably the, you know, it's, it's probably the, the best decision I've made in my career. Yeah, you know, and I think that that there's probably a lot of interest in in those challenges, um, as as you alluded to. Um, you know, COVID wasn't the best time for Yale, and I think you know a lot of universities struggled during COVID because there are a there's a laundry list of of things that they had to deal with with students, classes, what they were doing there, um, and. In the case of Yale, I think there was some some turnover uh, from the employee side at the golf course, um, combined with you know maybe a, a little bit of uh, you know a, you know a fair amount of of you know just oversight lack of oversight into the golf course and the operations that were going. Can you describe to us what type of shape Yale was in when you were hired? So, you know, I. First, it's worth noting that, you know, like you said, there, the university had, had a bunch of hoops to jump through just because when's the last time that, that there was a playbook for a pandemic? Um, so I, I don't know that, you know, it is, it's just a, kind of is what it is or was what it was. But, um, the course was, it's, it was on the road to healing. Um, you know, the people who, who listen to your podcast are, are pretty well versed in um in in the, the comings and goings of golf and golf courses. Um so it was it was in rough shape before I got here. Um the fall I got I I my first day was May tenth of last year. So the previous fall, so that's twenty twenty, the fall of twenty twenty they had aerified um all short grass surfaces and seeded. Um, so the bare areas in play areas were, 
were starting to recover. Um, so last year we spent a good deal of time of, of continuing to reseed those areas. And uh, last year, from a weather standpoint, it was it was awesome. We got rain every time we needed it. It was it was the exact opposite of this year. Um, but it was still it was still rough. You know the the greens. There were areas that that the poa. Um, we don't have that that good old Oakmont poa. That's that that just loves to stand up to any challenge. We we lost all of our um, perennial poa. So the poa that we did have was was really weak, and any time there was something, a day that got 90, it would just want to check out. So we still fight with that now. Um, we're we're still throwing seed on greens, even though you know we've got a we've got a restoration project in the hopper. Um, we're still trying to to improve on a day to day basis, um, especially for our men and women's teams. Um, but it, it was it was pretty rough when I when I got here. What were what what were the biggest challenges uh, outside of the greens and and that what what were the biggest challenges to having a course that had been you know a little bit neglected for for a while? Like what were what were things that maybe you overlooked? So I one thing and it it, it has very little to do with the agronomy side of things. It, it's more of the HR side of things. Is that you know. The crew, when I got here, they were, they were kind of, you know, they, 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 they take such pride in this, in this course. And for, for them to see it not at its optimal level, they, it was, the morale wasn't necessarily where, where it should be or where it could have been. So we made the right agronomic decisions on a day to day basis. We started off with the small right decisions. And when we started to see benefits from those decisions, I would throw pictures up on the, on the dry race board or what have you. And I would say, look at the progress that we've made from two years ago, from a year ago. And, uh, I think that they started to buy in like, all right, this guy's going to do the right things and make the right calls. And, and he's going to be honest with us. And, and that, that was the biggest challenge was, was getting these guys to believe me that, you know, we're just going to do the small things, but we're going to do the small things right. Um, you know, and, and that I got, a, I, I earned a little bit of, of some street cred with the guys. And when you have a difficult season like this season, they, they, they sort of look and they said, well, Jeff's trying to do everything that he can. And, uh, it just, it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough season. So I think that, that, that the team morale was, was the hardest thing that I didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. Speaking of of the maintenance team, I, I think the setup at Yale is very unique. Can you explain uh, to us exactly how it works? Yeah, so um, so we're all the guys are are members of a union. Um, so I have um, right now I have six full time guys and a master master mechanic. Um, and uh, it's it's. I think that a lot of people think that it's it's this grandiose monster for some reason and it's it's really not you know we we do everything that that we've done at any other golf course um it's just uh you know it's 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 just different it's it it's different than the the crew and how the crew was ran at Augusta National and it's definitely cr- different than the crew that I had at 
in Cleveland at Quail Hollow Country Club. Um, you know, I think that when people hear the word union, they, they, they think it's like some big boogeyman. And it's just, you just got to deal with, you know, you just got to work with the, the guys that you have. Mm-hmm. What, um, what have you been most proud about about or proud of of the of the recovery? I, I mean, obviously, I know you're not to where exactly where you want to get to it. We had an event out there, and I thought it was it was you know I was really pleased with how good of shape you have you'd gotten the golf course in in such a short time with you know a pretty small staff, and I think Peter, uh, your your GM there, has done an awesome job as well. I, I think you guys do a lot with with the with the number of people that you have and and i'm just curious from your standpoint what's been the most uh proud moment slash you know thing about the recovery of of the golf course i think that it's 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 not a moment or it's not a it's it's more of you know i on rough days I, I try not to look at, at the pictures. I, I referenced my master gardener, Matt Galino, and he was here during during the, the COVID, during the shutdown a little bit. And um, and when I started, he said, hey, do you want to sort of see the pictures? And I was like, no, no, I don't. I, I don't want to see them. Um, so every so often, like when I get, you know, like when I have a rough day, he'll, he'll show me a picture and he'll be like, you know what, we're doing the right thing. And that's... That's that's what I take away from this is that we're not a finished product, anywhere near a finished product. Um, and I don't know that we're going to be a finished product before um, before the, the project starts. Um, but I I know that we are continually making making progress. We're we're making we're making tangible improvements on a day to day basis and and. And that's what I like to see is that every day we're getting a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the you know the the thing you always have to keep in mind. Like big stuff happen. You know, it, it takes so much time. Sometimes I I feel in the similar position where you know you have somewhere you want to get to, but it, it's so hard. You know, if you don't if you don't um, value what you're doing day to day and getting better. Um, in terms and of so, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, but go like, for. But like. You know, superintendents, we look at things, we look at the same things every day and, and we sort of judge those, those small improvements. But like when you were here, you hadn't been here for quite some time. So like you and your group at the, the guys who participated in the dog ball, like that, their opinions on that day meant more to me than my opinion because you guys hadn't seen it. And Maybe there was a little bit of like a, like a, like a fish tail where like it, it kept on getting worse and worse in your mind. Like since you hadn't been here, like, oh, they, you know, they lost everything. So when you got here, you might have been like, eh, it's not that bad. So it's, it's your opinion. And, and, and the guys that, 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 that listen to your podcast who, who come out here and they go, yeah, it's progress that I, that, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, so having spent some decent amount of time at at some renovations and stuff, one of which I was I was at Lake Merced a, a fair amount this winter, and you know I went a few times back to back days, and you feel like nothing happens if you go on a regular basis. 
But then when you haven't been there for a few weeks and you go back, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much is happening. And I imagine that's a similar thing. It's like, you know, this is this is probably pretty crazy to think about. But like if a if a superintendent left a golf course and you put in an improvement plan and you just left and went on a three week vacation and came back and, and saw all the work done as it, it was implemented, you'd be like, holy cow, I can't believe how much better this has gotten. But if you're there day in, day out, it's almost hard to notice it. It is. And it's funny because like, so I, I have the, I haven't, I've been in at least some part of every day since the first week in June. So, you know, I'm like, this isn't improving how fast I want it to prove. And, 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 and it takes me a minute to realize like, Hey dummy, you've been here every day. Like you're not going to see, you're not going to like walk in and all of a sudden they're, the greens are lime green and everything's perfect. Like, no, man, you, you were just here eight hours ago. What are you expecting? Um, so it's, it's the internal dialogue that I have that I think is going to ultimately have me committed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, it has a lot of people feeling that way. Um, in terms of, uh, so you guys are, are, uh, you have a Gil Hans re- restoration project that will be done at the end of the 2023 calendar year if i'm correct yes yes um what type of work are you guys doing at this point to prepare for that restoration so what we're doing in-house is we're still maintaining the golf course as as just for everyday play um our short-term plan our short-term objectives are the men and the women's golf team um colin and lauren are both having um their invitationals this fall and um, they're scheduled to have them next fall as well. And uh, so we're, we're the short term goal is to try to improve so that we can make those as big of a, a, a success as possible. Um, I'm working with um, Gil and his team and, and Ben, um, Ben Hillard um, on, uh, on uh, bid and spec sheets and, um, for the, for the restoration. So we're, we're still, we're still going out to bid on a, on a bunch of stuff. So I'm, I hate to say it, but I, I'm, I'm kind of pushing papers, um, a majority of my day. That's part of the job. It is. I mean, it is, you know, and it's an important part of the job because you, you, you know, you, you don't want to miss a, a, a comma on something. And then all of a sudden, you know, seven acres of greens go to 0.7 acre, you know, like it's, it's kind of a big deal. So, so that's what we're doing in house. Um, we'll do a little bit of, uh, some undergrowth, uh, removal, just some overgrown areas this, this winter, um, roll the ball out again next year, uh, for the golfing community. And, uh, like I said, have the men and women's invitational next fall and then, uh, welcome with open arms, um, hands, golf course design um next fall i mean the that undergrowth work is particularly i think something that's that's really enticing about yale um you know it has for those that haven't been there it's just a gigantic property um it's your kind of quintessential uh new england woods and it's got rock outcroppings and you know beautiful forest and then the golf course traverses this wild piece of ground. Um, and, you know, a lot of holes are corridored off by woods. But 
I imagine it, as you under as you clear out that undergrowth, and it, you're going to reveal some really dramatic uh, rock features and different aspects of the golf course that that people have never seen because of those those kind of thick corridors along the edges. Not necessarily. I'm not saying take down these big trees, but as you just get some of those bushes and you know areas uh, on off the fairway removed you're going to uncover some spectacular features that will just enhance that walk and i imagine as you've done as you said when you're having a bad day some days you go out and walk around i imagine you've probably seen some things that aren't really you know visible to the everyday player it's it's amazing so we so the guys started this past off season and um they cleared out um, an area in between our fourth hole and our 16th hole. Um, and it was just an overgrown area. And we didn't remove anything that was that was big. And it, I don't even think that they were necessarily trees. They were just, like I said, just overgrown bushes and shrubs and whatnot. And um, the vistas that, that, that just opened up from that one area from the clubhouse is amazing. And um, it's just... It's just recapturing those areas and, and, and sort of with, with the change of elevations of this golf course, when you're standing on a, a, a pretty high point, so let's say 10 green or 11 T or something along those lines, or, or, you know, your, your approach shot on 18, you can see a good bit of, of, of the property. And I think that by just reclaiming those areas, you're going to be able to see a lot of stuff that 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 you not necessarily have been able to see in the recent past. And yeah, it's there's rock everywhere. There's rock absolutely everywhere. The the guy who the guy who did the aerification before uh, before I got here. When I got here, he 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 texted me and he was like, "Hey, give me a call when when you get a chance." So I called him. And uh, he told me he was like, "I had never gone through so many aerification times in my life." Because like, there's just there's exposed rock on in fairways on you know around tees. It's it's everywhere. Does that make it hard on the mower? Um, it makes it hard on everything. Um, it it it's just it's one of those things. It's you know you so. So I'll take a step back. Is that it's hard to grow grass on rock? Obviously. And especially with the, the heat that we've been experiencing, like we're finding a lot of rock that's really, really shallow, um, in fairways and, and whatnot. Um, so it is, it is hard on, on, on equipment. Our, our mechanic is, he's, he's never bored. I'll put, I'll put it that way. Um, but, uh, but we sort of tailor fit what we do to certain areas with what we have so that, so that we sort of mitigate some of the, some of the tough times on, on the equipment. But, um, but to your point earlier, it was one of those things that I had read. Um, when I got here, you know, Gil was, Gil was already talking with, with Yale before I got here and Peter was here before I got here. So like, I'm the new guy. So I sort of had to dive into reading as much about this place and its construction as, as possible. And that's the one thing that really stuck out in my mind when I was reading about the course was, how expensive it was to build and, and the use of dynamite to, to clear some of the rock outcroppings and whatnot. And, um, so, so as I was walking around after, you know, reading the, those passages, I was like, well, it makes sense. There's friggin' rock everywhere. 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, what outside of just the sheer cost. Do you have any excerpts of of your research that that you really enjoyed of of Yale of of the founding of Ray Tompkins Memorial? I don't want to get in trouble with Colin Sheehan. That's what he insisted on it being called. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that uh, that I've. I've irked uh, Colin with with some of my verbiage over the over the past year and some change, but uh, but no, he's Colin. Colin is a wealth of knowledge on on the course and and the history and and the Yale golf program. He's just he's if if there's ever a question, he's got the answer. <laughs> um, yeah, he's got the answer and more. <laughs> right, but um, no, the the one thing that um, that that. I think it's it, obviously it's urban legend, but I, supposedly one of the horses, one of the hall horses that we were removing um, timbers during construction died and they just buried it in seven green. So I'm curious when we shell that green out, if we're going to find some horseshoes. Ah, oh, look at that. It'll be a yeah. little archaeological uh, discovery for you. Yeah, so that's that's one thing that I'm looking forward to. Um, what will you do with the horseshoes if you if you find? Do you think will you create some sort of like a uh, uh, shrine in the clubhouse for the horse? Oh, I'm sure that that that, that we could find them because we have so we have the the, the golf course is really unbelievably documented. You know, yeah, to have overhead pictures in uh, aerial pictures from the from the twenties. I mean, that's unheard of. And, uh, we actually still have, um, actual construction photos. Um, the hard copies with, with, with negatives and whatnot. And, um, so it's kind of funny because in one of the pictures of number five, there's a horse in front of it. And like, I, in my mind, I've already came up, come up with the story that that's the horse that died on seven. And I'm going to use the picture of it on five to say that these are the horseshoes from this horse. You're making a few leaps, but it's not inconceivable, you know. It's not uh, inconceivable, but like you know, I. It's just between us. No one will know. <laughs> um, just between just between the two of us on this podcast. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, you know, with that, you, we've talked a little bit about the restoration. And you know what what. Are, part of the project are you most excited about it could be an individual whole or just just any aspect of the project there's a few things um i can't wait to uh to deconstruct number 10 green as it currently exists because no superintendent in any state in the union should be forced to try to grow grass in that micro environment <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen seen it, you know, with with uh, substantial grass. So, I, I it it does seem like a very difficult spot. I there are very few things in this world that I hate. I'm a very understanding person. Uh, I'm a very very forgiving person. And I'm a very loving person. I despise that green. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. What is, what is it that makes it so difficult? So it's it's a green that 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 tilts front to back, and there's a big um, there's a big bowl. It's it, it basically sits in a bowl from the, the the bunker in the front throughout the back, and every ounce of moisture in the tri-state area wants to just accumulate in that back ridge, and uh, in that back swale. Pardon me. 
And so it always stays wet, but the front part that sits elevated always stays dry. So um, our old irrigation system doesn't necessarily know the difference of how to water the dry stuff and not the wet stuff. So, um, so it's, 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 it, it just has its, its difficulties. So, um, so that's something that I'm looking forward to is getting rid of that green as it currently exists. And um, maybe a better irrigation system, right? Yes. Yes. That is part of that. That's in the works as well. Um, uh, a couple of my guys don't like the tree behind number four green because it wicks away all the moisture in that green. So they're looking forward to possibly that tree coming down. So that so in in, in the sense of like that tree just t- sucks all the water out of the area. It's a yes. it's a huge tree. Yes, it's it's a it's a huge oak and it's it's just a it's a pain in the butt and um it's just not good. Um so we're looking forward to you know with the overgrowth of the golf course that's those are the things that that happen you know the trees get really really big their roots go under the root under the under the profile of the green and it it just it just makes trying to grow grass just amazingly difficult anybody that lives in a neighborhood has seen the impacts of what tree roots do to sidewalks so imagine you know a a green you know exactly. sidewalks get you know just jacked up and you know create health hazards for kids running around you know imagine what they do to a green that you're trying to maintain at a a very fine you know precise yeah. level like the the shortest i mean it i think people this probably goes you know people take this for granted but just the you know think about if you were maintaining your yard over the course of the summer and you're trying to cut the, your yard really short and, you know, and how many resources, how much time you have to put into your yard, you know, it's in the heat of the summer. If you're in an area like Connecticut or the Midwest, you know, the best thing you can do is keep your yard nice and long and lush because then you don't have to put as many resources into it. Now, imagine, you know, a tree taking out all the water. So, you know, and you're trying to maintain the finest level of cut of grass, right? Yeah. And, and the, the tree doesn't know like, oh, I'm going underneath a green i shouldn't do that let me make a hard right no it just doesn't have consciousness no no especially some of these no they they don't give a rat's ass about me they just want their they just want their water but um but back to you know what i'm looking forward to you know i gill and ben and and their entire team are they're just they're the they're the best of the best and and i always I always want to work with the best so that I, so that my game improves. Um, and that like they, there's no doubt in my mind, like I, they, they are going to educate me leaps and bounds. You know, they, I like looking at guys when, when, when they're talking about a topic and, and sort of see like the gears turning and, and whatnot. So it was, it was during um, one of Gil's visits. I think it was last year this past fall yeah this past fall and uh and they were looking they were they were standing on number three t and they were looking back and i i was coming up and i'm I'm like what the hell are they looking at they're going backward and you know they're looking for gaining yardage where where it's feasible but but to 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 be with guys who are thinking of the answer to the question before it's asked that's impressive and uh and it's 
it's awesome to be a part of, and it, it, it only makes me better at trying to foresee the questions before they get asked so that, that, that they don't even have to ask them. My, my, my job is to make their job as easy as humanly possible because the, the land is still difficult to, 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 to work with. You know, the rock didn't go away from 1925, 26. So, um, so my job is to try to facilitate them as, as much as, as humanly possible. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, they they are. Uh, they've done a tremendous job. I can't wait to see it. Um, in terms of you know where it co- where it gets to, I I think you know from my standpoint, when you look at the potential of Yale, it, it it's. Uh, I've I've long contended that it could be you know among the very very best. I'm talking the bucket one golf course in America when you know with a full restoration and uh and in you know one of the things that I, I you know I'd be curious about is like how are you going to how what are the plans for you guys managing your staff and what type of work they'll be doing and you guys will be doing during this project. There's going to be enough work to go around. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> that. Um, so yeah, so, so my guys, they'll, don't worry, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be busy. Um, so, so yeah, so they'll work hand in hand with, um, with, with, with the, the various contractors that are, that are going to be doing their expert work. And, um, and so, yeah, so then, then the, well, let me take a step back. The, the, the greatest part of having my guys here while the construction is going on is that they're going to become that much better um, versed in, you know, dealing with irrigation because they'll see the heads actually go in. So, so they'll be able to troubleshoot any, any issues um, that much, you know, quicker and, and, and be able to diagnose things faster. Um, They'll, they'll be able to, you know, see and help with, with, with the grassing of different surfaces and, and they'll help me say, Hey, you know what? I think that this tea is going to have to be mowed by X, Y, and Z mower because we'll have to get at it from this angle. And, and it's their, their wealth of knowledge on this property. That's going to become just, you know, it's going to become invaluable. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's, we're bringing it all the way back to 1925. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's exciting. Um, we can't wait, and you know, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be we'll be chatting in a couple of years when it's all done, and uh, and talking about what you have. I'm, I'm excited for the the course, the hard work that you and you and Peter have put in, in and in your entire staff, and and getting it back to where it is today, which is a, an awesome place to go play golf. And uh, we'll hopefully see you next year with uh, with the with a, another stop with the dog bowl, and then uh, and then we'll see the project as it as it evolves. So, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you in the future when when this gets uh, when this gets done. All right, perfect. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast in our Superintendent Series. This episode was edited by Meg Atkins. Thank you, Meg. We have a ton of new stuff up in the Pro Shop, so if you're looking for a few new pieces for the fall, go over to the Pro Shop. Uh, it's proshop.thefriedegg.com. 
we also have a lot of mainstays. We have t-shirts, uh, hats, all kinds of things. So if you want to support the Fried Egg, this is a great way to do it. Thanks, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Fried Egg Podcast.